Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. Well, this is going to be a fun interview. It's with a gentleman that it's hard to describe this guy in, in just a few words, although he tries to do it, as you'll hear in a minute. But his name is Kevin DeVries. Kevin, welcome to our little podcast. It's great to be here, Randy. Thank you. Let me tell you a little bit more. He, I asked people to send me kind of a, a little bio, and he just sent me just a few words, but there's power in each one of these words. Let me, let me describe it. He says he's the founder president of a ministry called Grace Explorations. He's the father of champions, the son of immigrants. Yes, but he's a speaker. He's a survivor, explorer, warrior, poet, and servant king. And we're going to unpack some of these words in a little bit, but I think you're going to enjoy hearing from our friend Kevin. So again, Kevin, thanks for being with us. This is great. I appreciate it. I love, love talking with you, Randy. Well, you're, you're a fun guy. Just until when you hear a little bit about this gentleman, um, he, he, he gets challenged by, um, by things that most of us would just kind of say, well, yeah, that, that could be interesting, but forget it. For example, climbing Mount Everest. How many times have you uh, gone up the side of Mount Everest in your life now? Well, this is that was a first, uh, which made the documentary that we just filmed okay. April May a, a really. Uh, it's been on my radar for so long. I've climbed literally the highest peak outside the Himalayas, Aconcagua, and in, in uh, Argentina, right on the border of Chile, uh, several years ago, and that's almost twenty three thousand feet. And you can't go any higher unless you go to the Himalayas. So it's been in my mind for a long time, and and finally we got to go, and I got to go with a bunch of guys. It was fantastic. But that was only after. I mean, this guy, wait till you hear this. I mean, that's only after this guy has an experience that over 90% of the people that have this experience don't come back to life again. Yeah. You were running. You told the story. I heard you share it. You're running because you were getting exercise. Yeah. And you you saw something that was rather unusual. What'd you see? Well, uh, I went into a cardiac arrest. And uh, prior to that, the moments leading up to that, I was walking through a graveyard. I was still very much in this dimension, saw somebody all dressed in white. It was a male figure. His back was to me. He wasn't in first century uh, clothing. So it wasn't, uh, mm -hmm. but it was just, he was all dressed in white and he was working on a grave, uh, digging around, arranging stuff. I mean, that's just really unusual. That's very unusual. Very unusual. I'm a, I'm a Dutch guy. You know, we scrub streets. We don't yeah. work in white yeah. clothes and dirt. You just don't do that. That's a laundry nightmare. So I'm thinking on a very practical level, I read some gravestones. I exit out the graveyard. Uh, it's a six mile run that I'm doing. I'm training for a half marathon. This is in the fall of 2019. It's mm -hmm. hot out. It's approaching dusk. And the next thing I remember uh, is looking down at my dead body on, on the running trail on Cascade Road, right in front of Pine Ridge Elementary School. So you're, you're above your body, right? Yeah, it's total out of body experience. And it perfectly, it times perfectly with 
when they found me, I was already dead. They had uh, essentially stopped. I'm saying they providentially, a couple of uh, nurses, uh, ER nurses, people that, you know, know what they're yeah, doing. Sure. Uh, performed CPR on me for uh, upwards of 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, they never got a pulse, never got a heartbeat, but it did allow my vitals, my brain in particular, <laughs> to have oxygen still, or wow. at least blood flow so that if they wow. brought me back, which they did, I wouldn't be a vegetable. But yeah, you're correct. A heart attack, you can drive yourself to the hospital with one of those. And usually there's... But this was total heart stoppage, right? Well, it was electrical. So a heart attack is plumbing. Yeah. Uh, involves stents and repair damage and health. Yeah. And diet. Electrical is just an anomaly. You're, you're, you just have a... Something happens in your rhythm, which is a very delicate thing to begin with. Yeah. In my case, they think, they're not even 100% sure it was something what they call a, a SCAD, a spontaneous coronary artery dissection. It's stress-related, which my story has a lot of that. Yeah, um, it usually it's very rare, and if it happens at all, it's postpartum women who've had uh, difficult uh, childbirth. So mm -hmm. stress on the heart. For men, it's almost always, um, you know, I've climbed all over the world. I've sure, I've sure, five years. I, I did crazy stuff. So I've not been kind to the old ticker. But when they found me, I was already blue, and uh, it was just one of those things where, um. I just got to a place where I was literally out of control of the narrative. I was out of body. I um, became what people have been telling us for a long time that we're spirit beings having a human experience. And yeah. So I went back to now, my original suit. <laughs> now, when did this actually happen, Kevin? What, this what? is on September uh, the 21st of um, 2019, which incidentally, my aunt reminded me was the same day that my grandfather had passed like some 30 years earlier. Wow. Wow. There's just some really interesting connections with that whole. So, thing. so the percentage of people who have this experience that don't come back, that's that, that stay dead, it would be what approximately. Yeah. I mean, they only save about three to 6% of us because, um, you know, CPR doesn't bring you back. So if they can't uh, access a defibrillator, so the electrical problem can only be helped by another electrical issue. Wow. And it just, charge. as you say, it just happened that this guy's driving along and yeah. the nurse and, and is able to, to, to help you. And how is your health today as a, as a result? Um, it's great. I mean, you know, when they shocked me back, it was a fire team that came after the nurses did this wow. heart and they, um, you know, three months later, I was on Breckenridge at the highest chair left in North America because my doc, uh, my cardiologist and my surgeon, uh, they all said, you know, look, we don't really know what happened to you. Your heart is fine. There's no damage. We can't repair anything. So just do whatever you want to do. We're not saying you should go to Everest, but yeah. we also are, 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 <laughs> are not saying you shouldn't go to Everest. Okay. I'll be up to you. Well, one other point is so that after in your uh, you know, your near death experience where you're above, you can see your body down there, right? I mean, you actually yeah. could see your dead body. You interact with this guy in white again. Is that true? Yeah. So um, I, I literally soared over. Uh, we were trying to replicate this because Boston Scientific, who is the manufacturer of my defibrillator, which is not to be confused with a pacemaker. It's just mm -hmm. I could outlive everybody now because I have a built in defibrillator. So it gives me a lot of confidence to do stuff because I've got a built in defibrillator. I don't have to wait for the EMT to arrive. <laughs> I don't want to use it. I've heard it's shocking, quite literally. Yes, yes, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't want to get that. Uh, they say it's like a, you know, a horse kick to the chest. I'm not looking forward to that. No, no, that would not be fun. 
anyway, uh, I sort up over the ridge and then I'm placed right back into the cemetery. It's Cascade Cemetery, right in Cascade, Michigan. And uh, now I'm facing the person all in white. There's a lot of light coming out of him. And it's the type of light that I would best describe as light that darkness has never touched. It's well, darkness actually is just the absence of light. It's not actually a thing. I mean, you yeah. can even argue that evil is not inherently a thing. It's just the absence of good. It's not yep, a sure. it's not a created thing. It's an absence of something else. <laughs> uh, so I felt a lot of light coming out of this person, but it wasn't painful, but it was very illuminating. Not in a, uh, I'm going to expose you shameful way, but more of a way of, I know everything about you and I still love you. Wow. Isn't that great? A tremendous sense of belonging. In fact, you could say the whole event was a suspension of belief because everything I believed, um, I wouldn't say it was immaterial, but what really mattered in that moment was the belonging sense. And so I always tell people like, look, you gotta, what you believe now uh, determines where you belong forever. So you can't fix that in the afterlife. Yeah. Grace works in this space time continuum, but it's, it's powerless uh, when the judgment occurs. It is what it is. What you believe is where you will belong. And so for me, fortunately, I've always had faith in Christ. He's been my Lord and savior for as long as I can remember. I've had a vacillating journey like everybody else up and downs and valleys, but he's always been there. I've always loved him to the best I could. And so when that light came, it felt illuminating, but not harmful or betraying. It felt more welcoming and kind of like almost coming home. Mm-hmm. In fact, the whole out of death, ex- out of body experience was, uh, man, I, it was inc- it just like relief. Like, man, finally, I'm out of this body. Now wow. I, can, I can be me. So, so the person in white, who was it? Yeah, well, uh, it went further. So it was the light, then it became love that, you know, fear has never felt, uh, which is, I believe, Christ. Um, when you feel that kind of love, it was beyond angelic. Um, it didn't feel um, like it was some visitor. To me, it felt like the person in front of me is my brother, because I felt a familial connection where, wow, we have the same father. It was a, a very interesting dynamic. And a very short period of chronos time i'm in keras time so i'm not on the clock anymore at this point it felt like in that moment like this is my brother and more than that he is my captain and he's helped us start this men's movement we're following him yeah but more importantly he's my king and as such i love it he deserves you know my highest allegiance so you don't get that kind of feeling if you read the biblical narrative or even contemporary examples that's not the vibe you get with angels. Typically, there's a lot of fright. There's yep, fear. Yep, that's true. Um, but you don't have this sense of lordship or yeah. kingship. It's more like, okay, this is a messenger and I'm freaking out right now and I don't know what's going on. I didn't have any of that. I felt a <laughs> tremendous sense of belonging. That's so and cool. I also felt like the person in front of me was someone that um, death has never defeated. Like he, he is the he is the prototype. He gave all of us the example of what a resurrection looks like and and the new life that we all have through him because he is actually the gate of God. So I was very well fortunate. He essentially at the end of this episode, as they're trying to bring me back to life, he just said to me very briefly, and it's uncannily similar to a lot of other NDEs near death experiences, which is now cottage industry. There's a ton of books and movies, but he said, uh, you know what? It's not your time. And then uh, a pause and it was like, you know, the words came to me, it was fall. It was almost like the words were coming to you, like a leaf blowing in the wind because he was turning at this point. 
and the light was heading another direction. It was not on me anymore or through me or in me, if you will. Yeah. It said, it's not your time. Your mission's not complete. And then the next wow. thing I remember was waking up in the, the ambulance. But um, I believe I met the risen Christ. I have new age friends that believe that it was my divine resurrected self, that yeah. it was my, my own uh, Christified self, if you will. And I said, you know, that's part of the problem with uh, all other religions or belief systems other than Christianity is it's always about you. Yeah. It's always egotistical. It's always about uh, you. Uh, you determine everything. You're mm -hmm. in the in the driver's seat. You never have to apologize because there's nothing like sin. Mm -hmm. you just be whoever you are, and all you need to do is just gain heightened levels of enlightenment, and then you'll become your own deified mm -hmm. self. And I'm like, yeah, that's the problem with. But then you can never experience grace, yeah. which is unique to Christianity. Yeah. yeah. So you're forfeiting the very thing that will heal you, which is humility. And where does that come from? Grace, because grace is never earned. It's just a gift. It's there. You can accept it or reject it, but you can't do anything to earn it. That's good. Way above and beyond justice and mercy. Yes. The only thing it is the defining characteristic of Christianity. And it's what makes our belief system so unique and so yeah. powerful and so unexplainable to people outside of it. That's really good, Kevin. So again, your story has been such an encouragement, you know, to me and, and I'm sure to hundreds, probably thousands of other people. But I wonder, was there any particular lesson for you that that God did this, uh, that, that he's left with you, that, that yeah. uh, you've learned, uh, grown in, repented, whatever it was? What, what, what might have been the impact on yourself? Well, uh, time's precious um, and all we have is now. Yeah. So quit punishing the past, quit fearing the future, just be now. And that's so good. People are sleepwalking through life. So in some mm -hmm. ways it's been a blessing coming back um, because I have a renewed vision and like, wow, whatever God's called me to do, it was important yeah. enough to send me back. Right. Yeah. So you're yeah. like, you gotta be a good steward of that weight. That's like a, mm -hmm. he sent you back, not to just dork around i mean there's something here to do yeah. and it's now become a national men's movement so i have a lot more clarity with that on the flip side of it and i talked to some other people with similar near-death experiences you also feel more alien to this world than you ever have before and so mm. the things that were important are not as important so you have to recalibrate you have to kind of reorientate your paradigm that you're working from and and with that can for me my human side is i can actually become uh, more impatient than I was before because I I just don't want people to sleepwalk anymore. Yeah, I want them to really know good. that there's eternity. Mm. It's a beautiful place, but eternity is kind of fixed. You don't save people in eternity. You don't disciple people in eternity. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And all you have now, the only thing that's elastic that actually uh, has uh, some level of eternal impact is time. That's all we have. Yeah. And we have to do the best that we have with the time. And it's my human side is it frustrates me to see people going on all kinds of rabbit trails that in the end game, mm. it means absolutely nothing. And you'd spent, you spend your whole life on nothingness oh, and then you don't know it until it's too late and you're in the next dimension. And at that point, maybe you don't know anymore anyway, but yeah. uh, there's that brief, I, th there has to be some moment of clarity before you pass fully into the next dimension. And I didn't go that far. I basically stood at the gate, which was Christ himself. Yeah there has to be some level of man. Yeah. And then maybe it's more like what Brennan Manning was trying to tell us. You know, he wrote um, all these incredible books and was a man who 
wrestled with grace his whole life. Mm-hmm. Maybe got it better than most. Um, but he said, you know, I wonder if when we finally get to heaven someday, if it's not going to be so much, wow, I can't believe you're here. You know, how the heck did you get in here? Uh, I'm spinning off your last name, Heckman. So I'm yeah, that's right. No, no that. problem. No problem. Yeah. And so it's, it's, um, you know, it's not so much those words. It's more like, boy, I wonder if you ever knew how much I loved you down there. Yeah. You know, now, you know, but boy, I wonder how much of it you knew down there. And and when you know that, and when you know you're a beloved son, boy, everything changes because now the identity is there. Mm-hmm. You have a construct, you have the framework to, to reinterpret your story. Yeah. You're not beginning from this position of all this pain that's happening in my life is because God's angry. Yeah. He wants punishment. Yeah. It's more of, oh. no, you're actually in an operating room and, and this pain you feel is actually because a very, very good surgeon, a yeah. masterful surgeon has to hurt you or allow hurt, I should that's say. That's right to heal you. He's got a, that blade has to hurt. It's not meant to destroy you or it's not punitive. You're not in a prison. You're not in a cell. You're actually a patient. You're not a Mm. criminal. You're a climber. And these things are meant to be because uh, if you can't feel, you can't heal. So there has to be some level in your maturation process where there is pain. It's It's not a problem and it's not a blame game. It's it's God's way of saying, this is how I'm going to make you well. That's so good. That's profound. We, we don't get it right. You know, we just, we misinterpret the story because we don't believe that God starts from a good starting place. That's really true. This is Garden of Eden. It's, oh, God's not good. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not all that he says he is. It's all this suspicion and innuendo yeah. and yep. manipulative language. And it, but if we really, really, really believe, I tell guys this all the time, that the true summit of their story is sonship. When they really, really believe like Christ needed to hear, even as the human part of him had to hear that from God almighty and the Jordan river was baptized there a couple years ago. You know, uh, people, some people heard thunder. Other people heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then his ministry began, even Christ, the human part of Christ, the Jesus part, if you will, but Christ is the deified part The Jesus is the historical figure not a first and last name. It's just man right. and God come together. Yeah. The incarnation. Yeah. Yeah. He even had to hear that. And so I'm always after guys like, man, yeah, you start at the base of the mountain as a sinner. You have to start there. You need grace. You need to mm. repent. It's a continual process, but don't stay in that spot. If all you do is identify yourself as a sinner, then you can never become a soldier or a servant or a saint, and you can never get to the top of that mountain, which is to be what the prodigal son finally began to realize. I don't even know if he totally figured it out because the father was so preempting. Maybe he never totally figured out. Maybe he was just like, man, my dad's nuts. But what he was trying to say in the prodigal story was, is you have always been my son. Yeah. Always be my son. And I'm not even going to let the words get out of your mouth before I kill the fattened calf, give you the royal robe, put the ring on your finger. I want you to know there's nothing that you can do that will disrupt uh, my love as a father for you. And what a powerful parable, but we just don't understand that in my life. I think through this incident to answer your question, I think that it crystallized itself where, wow, that moment, I just had a tremendous sense of belonging. Belief was literally metaphysically suspended. That's so good. That's so good. So, you know, you, your, your ministry, uh, grace explorations, appropriate both words yeah uh you you work with with men 
What, where, where's that come from? Why do you do what you do? I mean, first of all, what is your goal? But why do you do that goal? What's your, if, if, if you would be 100% successful in your ministry, what would happen as a result of that? And, and then what is it inside of you that compels you to do that? Yeah. So our mission statement is pretty simple. Um, we are here to help ministries reach more men. And we do it predominantly through gospel-centered storytelling events because a guy's brain, if you unpack it, it it's moving images. He's moved mm-hmm. by story. Yep. I mean, back to the caveman era, they were drawing pictographs and stuff under a torch. Like there's something about hunting and fishing and adventure stories that just draws a man in. Sure. It's also biblical. We, we know from Revelation that we defeat the enemy by the word of our mouth, our testimony, or contemporize that to our story. Right. Um, and then Christ does his part, which is uh, the blood, the cross, the atonement. All but right. our part is the story. And so we're trying to get guys to uh, get their sword back. We like to metaphorically connect their story to their sword. And in the medieval era, actually ancient era, the mm-hmm. sword was always symbolic of a man's strength. It was always his lineage, his heritage. And when that sword was shattered, um, he was ashamed and mm. he would hide the sword. And there's stories that are emblematic of that all throughout mythology um, that are connecting these symbols that when a man's sword is broken, his story is broken and it doesn't make sense to him and he, he's stuck. So what we're trying to do is to help a man to reforge his sword, to get his strength back, to get his story back, not just so that he can be a good storyteller and join an elk lodge or we're here to interweave the gospel into that and to help a man realize that maybe just maybe at the end of the day, God is trying to tell his story through your story. Mm. I'm saying that facetious. I I mean that, but it's, it's trying to get a guy to understand that, wow, maybe the good and the bad and the ugly and everything in between, maybe it all was meant to be because that's how God is glorified. It's he, he has all these things at his disposal, except for one thing. And it's what makes the cross so powerful. He has all this atonement power but the only vehicle that can be expressed through is human weakness. Mm. So put a man naked on a cross, yeah. all this energy of heaven, this grace, uh, which according to Paul has been with us since the beginning of time or before time. So this construct of grace has always been there, but the cross brought grace to the forefront mm. of no longer any more animal sacrifices. The atonement is full and it's complete. Yep. Grace is now activated the king goes back to heaven, Christ, he intercedes for us, but you could call the active steward of this world along with the Holy Spirit would be this, this idea, this crazy idea of grace. It's what makes the kingdom move and work. Yep. So I, um, we're trying to get guys to realize that your story is bigger than you, that God tells a story through you. And we do it through gospel centered storytelling events, um, because we find that that's the best it's the, the closest distance between the truth and the human heart is, is story. That's really there good. Are three active things that we always like to see. We want mm-hmm. every meeting to be uh, creating a tribe because uh-huh. men do life in tribes yeah. and, and our whole culture is now veering towards tribalism, mm-hmm. everything from tattoos to yeah. mythology to mm-hmm. spirituality. It's so we're veering that way. The army knows how to make this work because they, they know that men will ultimately, yeah, they'll fight for an idea, but they're really fighting for the guy next to them because if that guy dies, they're going to die. So somehow we have to spiritualize that and let men know, yeah, you're in a battle every day. Mm -hmm. Every day you wake up, there are unseen forces, both good and bad that are out to get you and harm you or deliver you and rescue you. 
And then the other thing, in addition to tribalism or creating a tribe is to um, tell the truth mm-hmm. about not your truth. I, I don't like the way that's phrased my truth. What does that even mean? Right. The truth, the gospel truth, the truth. Yeah. yeah. The truth, which is the gospel, which means that you can never be a victim. Yes. You've been hurt like everyone else, but yep. you, you are not allowed to stay in that place of self-pity and loathing and, yeah. and uh, castigating and polarizing and scapegoating yep. and projecting. You can't stay there because the gospel doesn't let you stay there. The gospel says, yeah, you've been hurt, but that can be healed. And now your pain can become part of your purpose. That's it, really good. It always ends games in that. And then the third thing is uh, transformation. We, we always want to be a part of something where people are actually changing. And there's so little in our culture right now that creates an atmosphere or a culture that is productive towards change. True. And so everything we do, we're always under the microscope. Okay. This is a great program. We didn't like to use that word. This is a great thing, an event, a video series. Is it, is it bringing change? And if it's not, then either we're doing something wrong because the gospel is incredibly powerful or uh, we're just not presenting it carefully enough or clearly enough. But those are our three main values is uh, tribe, um, truth, and transformation. And we try to weave that into all these meetings that we have in pretty much every place except the church, which is kind of a cool thing because now churches can partner with us because they do sermons and mm-hmm. studies and songs and sacraments, and they create social structures sure. now they piggyback with us because all we do is story and uh-huh. we don't have a ministry for the entire family. So churches actually view us as a healthy uh, collaborative partner sure. where we're not in competition with them. And even though That's we good. don't do what we do in church, yep. we really can't do what we do without the church. That's really good. And so the why of why you personally are doing this and not doing something else at this point, what, what is it in you that says, I want to do this? Well, if no one else needs it, I need it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I found myself in the book of Samuel a couple of years back, uh, a fugitive living in a vehicle for five years. Uh, living in a vehicle. Unpack that just a little bit for us, would you? Yeah, so I couldn't get into a space. My world <laughs> changed uh, through a divorce, and I have to own what I have to own. I can't tell anyone else's story. All I can say is, is that I couldn't get into a space uh, because of untreated PTSD. I could not get into a space where I could live in a space where my former life was there at the same time, speaking of the family, yeah, normal things that make a home, a home, right? Mm -hmm. Houses are houses or buildings, but a home is people. Yeah. So I could not for all the crazy things I've done. I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but it's the truth. I mean, I've climbed mountains all over the world. I've skied to the North pole. I've done, I've started companies, nonprofits. I may, I may not, I've arguably died and came back. I'm not a risk adverse. I am risk inclined, but this haunted me. This was my kryptonite. I just could not get into a space of, of allowing myself to feel the full weight of the life that you knew is not going to be the same. And I, I lived in a, in this expeditionary mindset of, okay, I've got a negative 40 sleeping bag. I'm going to be the cleanest, nicest smelling, um, houseless guy that ever walked the planet. So I had the health club to shower at. I always park mostly in motel parking lots because nobody thinks that, oh, that guy, somebody's living in a vehicle. Why would you, why would you live in a vehicle in a hotel parking lot? It's perfect cover, right? No one would ever think that. 
And it just allowed me to do a lot of different things. And you know what? That became my cave of Adullam. That became the place where God started doing some heavy, heavy work in my heart that I'm not so sure that if I had a more comfortable Mm. uh, existence, it would have happened. And so when you read of King David, he was anointed king long before he was appointed. There was a 16 year or so time gap where he was literally every day waking up very uncomfortable sure, in the cave of Adullam as a fugitive, trying to just stay alive for one more day. But in that cave of Adullam, that became the backbone of his kingdom. He met all the people that he needed, all the other fugitives, outlaws, yeah. disgraced individuals. They all, I always look at it through a poetic lens. He hops into this cave. It's dark. Somebody lights a torch. And in the flickering light of that torch, he sees a couple hundred eyeballs staring at him. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And in that cave of a duel, I think King David arguably was the greatest. I think at that, that might've been the peak of his life, his existence. Sure. sure. When the power came, and the throne came and the palace came and the cathedrals and everything else uh, that I don't think he was ever more of a king than when he was in that cave with those other desperate men. That's so for me personally, awesome. I will never outgrow base camp. I will never outgrow this movement, even though it's more about motivating men. Now it used to be Kevin, he's got the message and he's going to create moments. Yeah. Now it's more of, I just want to find these captains, these guys that will lead men mm. like a King David, and create a mighty man uh, of, I just was at Heart, Michigan. We were at Founders on Sunday night, two back-to-back as we're going on a tour to promote this film. I just want to find these guys, these captains of men, mm. give them some tools and just encourage them and then just get out of the way. Be a Johnny Holy Ghost apple seed. Just plant the seeds, be apostolic, start stuff, uh, motivate people, cast vision, do crazy things that excite people and that are catalytic that bring change and then just get out of the way. I'm a terrible manager, I'm a better leader. I'm not a good manager. So we're trying to, if no one else needs it, I need it. And I found out, wow, there's like 5,000 guys that need this because we've got 25 base camps. Now there's 5,000 guys that have been a part of it. Wow. And what started as a singular journey of you know, starting something randomly at Founders Brewery in 2017 with 80 guys is now just kind of blown up. People were traveling for two years to go to Founders, like 150 miles, some of them. That's like, the, the I mean, the beer is okay, but it's not like you need to drive 150 miles for that. It's right. not even about the beer. What was driving them was brotherhood, a sense yep. of belonging, yep. a sense yep. of, man, I feel good. like I can be real here. I feel like I'm not the only one that's dealing with stuff that I'm embarrassed oh, or hurting so, about. That's so good. Well, Kevin, are you optimistic? I mean, when you look at the data, you look at the number of guys that are addicted to porn and the, the husbands that are just passive and letting the little woman take care of the children and they go yeah. off to their golf game or whatever. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of negative picture of where Christian men are today. Yeah. But you're seeing uh, perhaps another side of questions. Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? What what's your sense of where we are and where we're heading as Christian men today? Yeah. So what uh, was part of my therapeutic process of counseling and therapy and church and <laughs> contemplation? It led me to a place where I began to discover that I see in others what I first see in myself. So if my windshield is dirty, if I'm full of shame, and if I don't feel like I'm ever doing enough, or I'm not enough, or I don't feel like I'm a son, I'm just this servant, and <laughs> or a sinner, I'm going to view every man pretty much through that lens. So I know the stats are out there. I've written stuff about it. Um, what we try to do as a movement is because a man, for the most part, already knows what he's doing wrong. And everything in culture right now is 
almost anti-man. It is. It is. Um, it's not favorable from sitcoms to yep. everything. We're yep. always the butt of every joke. And uh, especially white guys right now. Especially white guys. Yep. Yeah. Um, I we try to take a different tack and I'm, I'm like a blue ocean guy. I don't like to go where everybody else is going with the narrative. I like to just go upstream and, and just develop a different course. So what we spend a lot more time on instead of policing original sin or reminding guys how bad they are, we're trying to do the Jesus way and just call men to who they are to become. Now, are they at that given point, that exact thing? No. I mean, when Peter, when Christ named Peter, the rock, he was not a rock at that point. Not you know? at all. He just came through one of those worst failures, which needed to happen. Otherwise, he would have been an egotistical maniac that would have been perfectly useless to the yeah, kingdom. He would have reminded true. the disciples every day. Yeah, every one of you guys ran away, but no, not me. I was there just like I said I would be. He had to stumble. He had to fall flat on his face. There's very little difference between him and Judas Iscariot other than revelation. Peter That's was true. the only one of the two that knew that Christ was Christ. Yeah. Judas always referred to Christ as rabbi. He never understood mm. deity and the real mission of what he didn't have the revelation. He was still, I don't know, a Zionist or whatever. Mm. But anyway, we're trying to bring guys into this place of, look, you already know what you're doing wrong. I don't need to hammer you in that. I don't need to do what culture is already doing. What I'm going to do is instead of policing your original sin, I'm going to pursue your original glory. I'm going to remind you of who you were before the fall. I'm going to take you back to the first two chapters of Genesis when you love doing what you did, when you loved your wife, when there was no, uh, we focus on the physicality of nakedness, but it's actually about being true. Yeah. It's a metaphor. Yes, it's physical and it's literal, but really it means just being true, being vulnerable, have nothing to hide. There's mm -hmm. no guile, no deceit. And also having a communion with the father where you're not hiding anymore. You're not creating a false God that's always angry at you. You're, you're, you're embracing the real God who's still in the garden and who's looking for you yes. and, trying to, and trying to get the real you to come to the surface. Wow. And so there's a lot of negative stuff out there. And if I focus on it too much, it is, it is a, it can get you down pretty quick, but I just believe that, boy, if you can just remind a man of who he is, if you can just get that sword back in his hand and allow his hand to fit the helm of that sword, which is unique to him, his gifts, his story, his, and just remind him, you're better than this. You know, call him into something higher. Instead of speaking down, lift him up, help them to see that, wow, I really am a beloved son. And, and God does want to give me a name. I mean, we read some of my poetic names before this. I believe those. I believe I'm a warrior poet. I believe I'm a servant king. I want to rule like a servant and serve like a king. I want to be generative. I want to create a safe place for other captains of men to come. I believe these are things that God has given me, but I can't believe that unless I first believe I'm a son. And that took a long time because now I have to stop making excuses. I have to stop blaming other people. I have to stop my self-pity party. And, 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 and instead of transmitting pain, I now have to transform pain. I've got to become a, cacu a cocoon. If I'm going to be a monarch, if I'm going to have any royalty in my blood, I've got to just sit there and, and sit in that darkness and hold that pain and tension and not transmit it and blame and castigate and emasculate myself in the process. I have to remind myself, I have noble blood running through my veins. I'm a beloved son. I'm called by almighty God to do great exploits. I am born for this moment and I have to take the sword up because if I don't, I will suffer and others will suffer as a result. Oh, that's really good. So let's say you're a guy that's listening to what you're saying here today. And uh, 
maybe he's not able to come to any of your groups because he's out of state or whatever. Yeah. What would be a next step for someone to take, say, Oh, I'm, you're resonating with my heart. Is there yeah. a book? Is there a, a study? What would you suggest for, for someone that says, Ooh, I, I like what you're saying. I, I don't want to respond to these lies of Satan anymore in my old yeah. nature, which says, oh, you're a loser. Just give up, jump off a cliff somewhere, whatever, whatever right. our culture says, especially to white men. What, what, yeah. what would be a next step to take? Well, that's a great question. So if there's not a base camp in the area, we have a, a digital map now, a Google map that we're creating. And so uh, my first thing would be, hey, uh, let us help you start a base camp in your area, you know, network with the people, the churches, the community that you live in. And if that's not possible, if you're not at a place where you feel like you can do that, or you don't know anyone that can help, yep. then at the very least, uh, jump on our website, graceexplorations.com, plural with an S. And at the very top is um, a link that goes to retelling your story. It's a seven part video series. All you, you can do it by yourself if you want, but we do encourage men, just grab three of your best buddies. Pretend like you're in a foxhole. Um, you're in a fire team, which is the smallest military unit. And you're sure. in this foxhole together and you're watching these videos. We have an expert guide. His name is Matt Kenny. He's, you probably know Matt. I do know Matt. Uh, Matt is an expert uh, story guide. He's he's mm -hmm. created this stuff. And so finally, for the first time, we've been able to digitalize what he's been doing vocally, but he'll, he'll take men on a journey. He'll talk for eight or 10 minutes, and then uh, we'll actually show what it looks like in a group format of what it looks like to go after a guy's heart, what it looks like to ask open-ended questions instead of yes or no, Yep. open-ended questions. And then allow these men's stories to surface in a safe place with guys that they're already doing life with so that they get even closer as a result of it. Mm -hmm. It's only seven um, videos, so they can literally do it in great. a weekend if they want or seven awesome. days or seven weeks. I mean, however they want to do that. And then hopefully from that experience, a core starts to develop and then maybe we can do, uh, you know, base camp together. Um, we don't. And then we have a ton of other stuff on our website, other resources. There's great. all kinds of curriculum out there. There's no lack of it. A great book to start with, of course, is Wild at Heart. I mean, that's a foundation sure. seminal yep. work. John Eldridge. Yep. 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 I mean, it, it birthed the whole movement of that's which really we good. are you know, yep. aligned with as well, ideologically. All and right. That's great. Graceexplorations.com. All right. Before we close in prayer, anything further you'd like to add before you close us in prayer? Um, I just, I appreciate you, Randy, you know, you're a student of revival and of church awakenings as I am it was one of the things that I did when I was a uh, professional minister sure. <laughs> uh, as a national consultant, I was always studying movements and, and what can be replicated and what's sovereign. And, yeah. and so I, I just encourage you that prayer, it always precedes every movement. That's good. I happen to be more in the do category. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm the guy that jumps out of the boat and tells people, can you pray for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm a doer, uh, but both are needed. And so I applaud you that you are your group and your, um, your band of brothers and sisters are the unsung heroes because you're like the Intel, your reconnaissance, nobody no. knows who you are, but you're blasting away at the heavens and you're no. praying. And so a lot of what we're experiencing right now, quite frankly, is because you guys are praying. I never yeah. have publicly thanked you for that, but I'm sure that there's a connection spiritually. Well, to what's happening. All glory to God. All glory yeah. to God. All, it, all of it's needed. Amen. Close us in prayer, would you, brother? Yeah. Lord, thank you for um, 
just allowing us to be part of this incredible adventure. That you, uh, when you say follow me, <laughs> you're, it's not so much you're just asking us to, uh, to just drop everything, although that may very well be the case. You're just inviting us on this incredible adventure. <laughs> and you're almost promising us that there's going to be trouble, but it's the kind of trouble that uh, you'll help us transcend. And it'll actually, <laughs> uh, the obstacle almost becomes the way that these these persecutions and this stuff that happens in life, it's all meant to be because it's needed for the journey. It's, it's necessary for us to transform into something larger than what we currently are. Amen. So I'm so grateful, God, that you sent your son and you just didn't work through him mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. You gave him uh, a band of brothers, the original men's ministry, and then you took him out of the picture and you trusted people with the gospel. Uh, I wouldn't do that, but you're smarter than me, God, and you're smarter than both of us. And yep. you just said, you know what? I'm going to trust these guys with this incredible message. And now it's a belief system that impacts the whole world. So God, we're just so grateful that you still echo those words across the space time continuum for those that have ears to hear, come follow me. And then you also say over and over again, do you want to get well? Do you want to be well? And so Lord, help us to realize the import of that, the impact, the depth of that, that it it does mean feeling pain. It does mean going back to memories. It does mean going back into the dragon's mouth, the day that darkness fell and the stars were clouded over with despair. But it also means that through those darkest moments, the dawn comes and we can experience a resurrection that only you can do. That's good. Um, We can't make the sun come up and neither can we create our own resurrection. So God, put us all in that place where we're just in that liminal state where we are not in control and we just let go Mm. and we let God do his thing. Mm. We're so grateful that we're in good hands Mm. and that this life is just the beginning. That's good. There's so much more and we're grateful for that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Kevin, thank you, brother, for spending this time. Great stuff. So proud of you. Thankful for you, man. Well, you've been an encourager and uh, I appreciate what you do and um, you're a good man. You, you've got good kids. Oh, uh, you've, you've raised an army with 12 kids. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> but you and I are brothers forever. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. God bless you, man. You bet. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.